0: Check, check, hello, hello. Hi, Rob. Hi, Wes. How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to the Next Step Podcast.
1: Yes, the uh, return of the Next we're Step back. Podcast. Season two. This,
0: could we call this, yeah, Season 2. Season 2. I was two. just thinking, it's Season 2. We're going to have a little bit of a different format in Season 2. Okay. Uh, we're spreading out our episodes a little bit more and okay. making them a little... Beefier? More, a little beefier, as I said when pitching this idea to you. I think we're going to start doing... One a month. Okay. And recapping. I know You know all this. I don't know why I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, I know. You're, you're really, acting you're like, like telling, a good... I'm pretending as though yeah. this is
1: the first time I'm hearing you're, you're this. You're a good I'm, audience member. So, audience yeah. surrogate.
0: Uh, but yeah, we're going to do one a month. And in that one episode a month, we're going to talk about kind of the, the last month of sermons in kind of broad strokes and collect questions throughout the month and then talk about whatever else is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like or today. whatever else I feel like talking about, right. I suppose. Yeah.
1: As, or you feel like talking about, sure. As the case may be.
0: Um, but yeah, that's kind of going to be the plan moving forward. Kind of shoot for a beginning of the month release for every episode. Okay. Uh, this is going to be our beginning of October episode, and so Which we're recapping September. Friday.
1: Yep. And today is Wednesday. Yep. For those who don't know when we record, mm-hmm. we record on Wednesday.
0: So I think I'm going to try and release this one Sunday, so that would be the 3rd yes so October 3rd is is if you're listening to this now as it came out is October 3rd yeah welcome to October 3rd Sunday afternoon yeah
1: um hope church was good this morning
0: yep if not could blame Rob
1: if not you probably went somewhere other than fellowship
0: oh Ooh. got him okay <laughs> let's get let's get real okay so over the last month and then some a little bit you've been talking about first and second Timothy
1: 1st and 2nd Timothy, yes.
0: Um, so let's kind of give a quick baseline. Why 1st and 2nd Timothy? Why? W- w- what was your kind of reasoning for going through 1st and 2nd Timothy?
1: 1st and 2nd Timothy is just a lot of just really foundational what it means to be church. It has a lot of uh, structural how we should do church things. And just a lot of basic instruction that's, I think, very helpful for Christians. Some things that we need to go back and look at often. Um, You know, we've talked about so many different things. One of the big things we talked about was elders, Mm -hmm. pastor slash elder slash shepherd slash bishop slash overseer slash whichever term you prefer that are all used interchangeably. That's emphasized pretty significantly in 1 Timothy. And then it comes back, comes up again. second timothy and so i wanted us to kind of talk about that and process through that Mm -hmm. um, as a church because that's a direction that we need to move in and um and then there's just it's just good stuff especially when we hit second timothy there's so many good things um like just the these last three weeks
0: you've been talking about discipleship
1: yeah lessons in discipleship and i think sometimes we we forget that that is what the christian life is about and we have all these different terms that are all again synonymous like sanctification spiritual growth discipleship those are the things that we need to be about discipleship is not just a a class that you sign up for that meets once a week on whatever night right and if you're not going to that class you're not in discipleship no the discipleship is the pursuit of christ a lot of
0: those words i think can be their meaning their actual biblical meaning can get lost in just like casual vernacular of Modern Christianity, like those words are kind of thrown around. Well, and we've become, I
1: think, in in many churches, probably most evangelical churches, certainly in America today, um, we've become very programmatic in that the solution to every problem is to create a program to address whatever the problem is or whatever perceived need we have well, right we need a program for that mm-hmm. and and that may be the the solution in in some cases but one of the inherent problems with that approach is i think is that uh we begin a program and then often no one ever has the courage to end a program yeah you know so we have this new event this new thing that we have to do on tuesday night on wednesday night on thursday morning on sunday afternoon or what have you and if it was meant to address a specific need, well once that need is fulfilled or no longer exists it becomes really hard to let go of things because you know as Baptists, once it becomes um, tradition then it's holy and sacred
0: yeah, <laughs> so. borrowing from the government philosophy that Reagan said right, there's nothing more permanent than, t- than a temporary government program <laughs> yes um, my dad will be proud that I quoted Ronald Reagan on a Episode of a podcast that I host. There well, hey, I liked Ronald Reagan. I, I just want to be a good son, you <laughs> know, to to Mike Walker. Anyways,
1: um, but yeah, so because you're having to make up for being mean to him.
0: Apparently, I some slight against him. I'm not aware of, aware of. But hey, I got he's a taking to yeah, deal, he's so. taking away my inheritance and giving it to you, which doesn't seem quite right. But we can talk about that later. Yeah, um, that's a story for another time. So. In First and Second Timothy, what's the context? So Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy,
1: his uh, his mentee, I guess, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, the young man that he discipled. Right. And uh, Timothy is the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And when he gets there, there are some significant problems going on. Paul had dealt with some of that, but there's been some false teaching. There are people that just, there are problems that need to be taken care of. And so he's trying to instruct and encourage Timothy not only in how to take care of those problems, but just how to, you know, again, it's in First Timothy right there in the middle. He gives us, and it's, it's interesting the way Paul writes and then the way they wrote. It's a little bit different than what we write today. But um, 1 Timothy 3, I am writing these things. What things? All of the things here in 1 Timothy. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. So I'm just giving you some stuff. I hope to come and be with you. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So basically he's saying this is how you act, function, behave, structure. This is how you do church, in a sense. So um, that's a lot of First Timothy, and then Second Timothy follows that. Uh, it's his last letter. He's writing from the Mamertine prison, which is basically a big, dark, wet, hole-in-the-ground, damp, Dank mm-hmm. place. It's just ugh, nasty, and it's amazing he's able to write anything from that kind of environment. Yeah, um, and that's so that Second Timothy. It's sort of his final words. Um, so they're they're certainly connected, in that they're both to the same person, from the same person, and he, and he's in the same situation. So would this um,
0: have been near the end of Paul's life?
1: Yeah, this is right before he dies. Okay. So yeah. So again, these are his final words.
0: Chronologically in his life, it's yeah, chronologically literally. Chronologically in his life, okay. And he knows that. Gotcha.
1: You know, and, and you know, and and, and and yeah. So it's like these are very important. So pay close. I mean, if you're talking to the person who has discipled you and mentored you and poured into you, and you're like these are the final words that he's going to say to me you're you're really going to pay attention yeah and timothy has them written down and we have them written down right. So which is cool so but yeah and it's just how you know and then again the first the last three weeks we've gone through the first chapter and a half of second timothy and it's just this kind of woven into what he's writing and these are instructions to timothy of course but it's just it's also instructions to us on what it looks like to be a disciple mm-hmm. and, you know, what are those specific practical elements and things that we need to be about if we're going to call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah. and If you're calling yourself a Christian, then you're claiming to be a disciple of Jesus Christ because those two are the same thing. Yeah. You can't be one and not be the other.
0: Right. Um, so in in between First and Second Timothy, do we have any kind of knowledge of... How long was in between those, or any kind of knowledge of like? I I guess so. He's writing. He's writing to Timothy, in First Timothy in particular, right? Dealing addressing problems in the church. Yes. Right. And then Second Timothy, do you feel like it's kind of a, just a natural continuation of the the first letter, or do you feel I any don't know? I don't difference? think it's a.
1: He's not just like picking up where he left on and continuing on. Yeah. He you know he was planning to come to him. He didn't come to him now he's in prison right and so he's like and he i think paul knows i am right near the end because the prison that he's in there were that's how you got out of that prison was to be executed right it was it was kind of just a holding awaiting for execution prison gotcha so he knows this is now he's probably hasn't been given a card that says you're going to die on such and such a day mm-hmm. unless the execution is stayed <laughs> right. by the governor you know he doesn't you know he doesn't have that kind of thing but he's like that's that's why people come to this prison yeah is to await execution so so is that so I, in I, paul's mind he knows this this is this is it these are man these are and there's there's some important significant things here that you know that that i'm looking forward to when we get to you know 316 right all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching reproof correction and training in righteousness you know that's that's that verse is quoted all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You hear that constantly. That's in Second Timothy three. You know, I con- I solemnly charge you, preach the word, you know, in season and out season, you know, all of those things are in here in Second Timothy. This is his closing final words. So, yeah. so this is important and significant for Timothy. You know, he, he would right. have I think he would have understood that as he's reading this letter, just yeah. the intensity of it.
0: Well, I guess in an even broader question I have is and I know so much has been said about Paul throughout church history and um whatnot, but there is there is a move in certain areas of Christianity to like distance themselves from pauline writing um what do you what do you how do you see Paul in terms of his his influence his 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 writing his life what what do you see as like his place in everything?
1: Oh, well, it's just very significant. If you're trying to distance yourself from Paul... Um, it's like half of the New Testament. Yeah, I don't... I, I, Mike, I would have to quote R.C. Sproul. What's wrong with you? Right. You know, I mean, well, it, it, that doesn't even make sense because, um, I mean, we know so much about Paul. And we know... Uh, I mean, yeah, he wrote half the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So to distance yourself from Paul is to distance yourself from half of the New Testament.
0: And I feel like he's so integral in articulating... So many principles yeah, and I mean, doctrines in Christianity. I mean, that
1: Romans, if you distance yourself from Paul, you, you, you step away from Romans, arguably the most important book in the New Testament. Yeah. I mean, they're all important, you know. But, I mean, we have a more comprehensive, thorough, clear gospel in Romans than anywhere else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's his kind of magnum opus gospel. Presentation is. Would you say he's probably Romans. one of
0: the first theologians, quote unquote, in the way that people might the way cat- that we would maybe understand it today?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, certainly, I think he was probably one of, if not the most intelligent man to ever live. Mm. I mean, he essentially had the entire Old Testament memorized. Right. That's why, and and that's one of the cool things is he just he seamlessly moves in and out of the old testament in his writing right you know it's just like he's writing and then he's quoting the old testament and then he's back you know uh, because he had it memorized it was literally planted in his heart you know the word i've hidden in my heart Mm -hmm. that i might not sin against
0: god and god breathing through the most intelligent man oh
1: yeah yeah around using his personality and his uh, experience and his writing style and all of that, but it's still being God's word. You know, yeah. we'll talk about that when we get to that. God breathed. Mm-hmm. You know what? What is you know? Because the, the the four primary words I use to explain Scripture, and it would be all, including Paul, is inspired, inerrant, authoritative, and sufficient. Yeah. Now, there's other words, but those are the those are the four primary ones that I think we really need to hold on to and and just know. We need to be able to just pull those out, yeah, without, without struggling.
0: Well, two. We were doing this on our Wednesday night men's study. I think he said, Steve Lawson said that the Old Testament is, you know, describing stuff that is happening and there's shadows of the stuff to come. And then the New Testament is is clarifying all of it and describing almost the, the theology and philosophy and mindset behind all of those things yeah
1: i like his when yeah his description of it like a like a dimmer switch yeah you know in the old testament when you start in genesis you're in the room but the lights are off right and then as the new Testament and then the nights the lights slowly come up and the new testament is what turns them up to yeah. full brightness
0: yeah. well it's almost like paul is the one describing everything that happened before yeah. and what it all means yeah you know obviously it's God through Paul, it's not him, correct? Yeah, but he, uh, yeah, he's he seems to be he was alongside used of
1: God in a way that probably, arguably, nobody else ever has been. Right. I was saying a lo- I was going to say a long time Jesus.
0: alongside Jesus, or like second to Jesus, he's probably the most important figure in, in Christian the, history. Yeah, in Christian
1: history, and and certainly, I would say even probably the best creature mm-hmm. outside of Jesus mm-hmm. to ever to ever live right you know
0: yeah with such an interesting place to come from too yeah his history his Being story a murderer yeah
1: yeah i and again i've said this many times from the pulpit i don't think the the memory the reality the 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 weight of his murdering and imprisoning and persecuting Christians before he got saved, I don't think that ever left him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever got over you that. You see it in his writing. He knew he was forgiven, you know, so he didn't wallow in sin and, you know, roll around on the floor, oh, you know, I can't function now because, but I don't, I think the weight of his past, he carried with him, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I it was... You know, it, it drove many things, yeah. too. So. I was
0: listening to uh, someone today talking about The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis and how Lewis, in that, shows that there are murderers in heaven and there are, quote-unquote, good average people that give to charity and good, good do people. good things Mortal in hell. people
1: in hell, yeah. Right.
0: And it just goes to show it's like it doesn't matter the, the things you do it matters your your salvation in Christ and your faith in Christ. You yeah. Know? Um,
1: well, scariest verse in the Bible, right? Um, well, now I can't find it. I'm in a different Bible now. Yeah, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name did we not prophesy and cast out demons? And do many miracles, and give a lot of money, and go on all the retreats, and go on all the mission trips, and put the the "I love Jesus" fish bumper sticker on my car, mm-hmm. and post on Facebook uh, the "I love Jesus." Post this if you love Jesus, right? You know, did I not do all of those things? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, in that same in that same discussion about great divorce. He was saying, was like there's a woman that doesn't feel ready to go into heaven because she doesn't feel like she is dressed well enough. Mm. And that's what keeps her from going into heaven because she's too concerned about how she looks and how she appears, even though to us, in a worldly way, we'd see that as like, oh, she's she's humble, she she has shame about... But no, it's knowing you are forgiven in spite of all of that stuff, not allowing it to like... Essentially, Lewis saying get over yourself oh like,
1: yeah we need to do that all the time yeah
0: and that was a, a central message in a lot of CS CS lewis's stuff is get over yourself yeah like it's not you you're you not
1: know? nearly as important as you as think you, think you, you, <laughs> think you <laughs> are right yeah well, um, what is it i've heard this before people say um you know uh here's here's part of our problem other people don't think about you and what you're doing nearly right. as much as you think they think about what you're doing and mm-hmm. saying they're not worried about they're not thinking about. They're worried. They're thinking about themselves. Yeah, just like you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we were. Oh, what are people going to think? What are people going to think? They're not thinking about you, right? They're worried about what you're thinking about them. Yeah. So,
0: very rarely is someone thinking about you the things that you think they're thinking about. Yeah. Very, very yeah. rarely. Oh yeah. Um, so, to kind of transition into something that you wanted to talk about, you got your little LSB sitting right over here. You're looking down at my new Bible, Legacy yeah. Standard bible. Correct. Um you have recently made the switch to the LSB, yeah, predominantly, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. what I'm also I also enjoy the LSB a lot. Uh you and I have talked about it along with Alex more. Um he's also a big LSB fan. My dad has relentlessly teased all of us. Yeah. Well, um,
1: we tell him we now have the
0: more sure word. Sure? Yeah. <laughs> and you're Plain right. Cheek, right uh so what 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 about the lsp well it's called the legacy standard bible correct and it's essentially an updated version of the american new american standard yeah it's essentially
1: a new american standard update and what 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 has happened is they started on this translation and this was a new translation that they had been wanting to do and it's it was all the professors not all but it was several professors at master's seminary and college and You know, normally the work of a new translation takes many, many years. Mm -hmm. But when everything stopped, starting it, when COVID hit. So here are all these these professors and scholars that are now school is no longer happening. Mm -hmm. So they are sitting around in their office all day or sitting at home or wherever they sat. But now they have all this extra time and they all worked together. And, you know, these leading scholars in these different areas in, in close proximity to one another, Whereas often a translation team would be, you know, one guy in Philadelphia and another guy in Paris or you know mm-hmm. another guy in wherever, you know, they're spread out all over the place. So it's a lot harder to collaborate, uh, but they're all in the same building, essentially. And so they were able to collaborate easily. They suddenly found themselves with a lot of extra time. But it's taking the New American Standard and cleaning it up sounds like there was something wrong with it. There wasn't something wrong with it, but... They've gone back through the American, the new American standard and um, been a little more intentional in word translation. So where the same Greek word exists, there was intentional effort to always translate that as the same English word so that it communicates greater clarity of meaning. Um, They translate the word doulos as slave, which I think is a very significant thing. Um, You know, if you've ever studied that or or heard anyone you know heard that it really explained well and the the john macarthur book slave explains that well whereas about 180 times in the new testament the word doulos or forms of the word doulos um like plural and fellow doulos and all those different forms of that word appear in the new testament um describing us as christians so we're we're slaves Mm -hmm. and christians are slaves and um Slaves have a master and Jesus is called kurios, which is a master. So we're slaves and and we have a master. And so um, but because in American culture for the past plenty of years, um, the i the word slave has a very negative connotation. Mm-hmm. And so the word bond servant, which is just as sort of a hybrid word, was put in there to so that we don't have that negative implication of slavery, you know, built into our translations. But those words don't communicate with the same meaning. power and precision and meaning. It's the word slave does.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, a slave is a slave. You know, a bond servant can—what can, well, is a bondservant? That's not a word that we even use, right, in More normal, normal life. life. Right. You know, I, I don't even—I can't even think of where a bond servant would exist. It's not a thing anymore, really. It's not a thing, yeah. So, um, but slave— I understand mm-hmm. slave is somebody who is owned, who does not get to make his own decisions, whose will is I mean, he does, but whose will is totally subject to that of his master. Right. So we're slaves. You know, it's not that I don't I mean, I do make my own decisions that maybe pushing it a little far. But my will is totally subject to the will of my master. So as a slave, a slave of Christ, I serve him mm-hmm. and him alone. That is my singular focus is his will, not
0: mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have to remove yourself from the American context of slave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And American chattel slavery is I think is the right word. Chattel is is what they used when is that that's condemned in the Bible. Yeah. You know, that was condemned. That that form of slavery was, was condemned. And a lot of people don't realize that they're like, well, the Bible talks about slaves and it doesn't condemn it. Yeah, it actually does condemn. That form of You slavery. don't
0: kidnap somebody and put them into slavery. Correct, which is That's what not that what was. Christ yeah, is doing. Absolutely, yeah.
1: So, so the LSB translates the word "doulos" as "slave," um, which there's only like maybe one or two other translations that have done that. You mm-hmm. know, most of them don't. Um, and then they translate the the name, the covenant name of God is Yahweh, um, which is His name, as mm-hmm. opposed to that the um, capital, the small caps, L O R D, where the you know that small caps word. Uh, which is, which means Yahweh. And so it's, at least for me, especially when I'm reading, especially a lot in the Psalms, um, because I haven't grown up reading Yahweh there, it strikes me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just like, oh, oh, you know, especially when it's Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. Yahweh. It's like, it's just, so it really captures me in a way that um, I haven't been captured in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, that, and then just the consistency of translation, and, and there are many places where, um, especially in the, the LSB, it's just a more powerful way of saying it. Um, the ESV is a very faithful translation. I still read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not in any way shunning it or trying to, you know, say anything. Now. You've burned
0: every copy is what uh, you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have not burned every copy of, of the ESV. We still have those in our pew, right? Those are our pew Bibles, yeah. our ESVs. Um, so... But yeah, and, and when you compare the two, and, and this is something that's helpful even in any kind of Bible study, but when you, when you compare the two and you put one next to the other and you can see this is worded this way and this is worded this way, especially with the ESV and the LSB or even New American Standard, even New King James, you know, you put those alongside each other, faithful Bible translations, um, it's going to give you a deeper, richer, fuller understanding of the text reading multiple translations anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I think that the you know the the nasB and the lSB are a little bit tighter um, and just have more you know gravitas to them mm. in, in many ways. so but I love the ESV I mean I always have I always will um, but I just for my personal study, my devotional study and for my preaching I just like this is what I want to read from. Mm-hmm. And um so and then actually we started this past Sunday and we'll continue doing this um uh, because not everybody has an LSB, you know, a lot it, of people well, it's brand new. Of, yeah, it's brand new. It's yeah, it's it's brand new. A lot of people have um, in fact you can't even get the entire LSB quite yet. It's coming out this fall. Um New Testament Psalms and Proverbs is what's available now with the, with just a little, couple of Old Testament uh books, but um Starting this past Sunday, and we'll do this. We'll continue to do this for for a while. Is I'm going to print out a little sheet. I've got one here for you to look at, but obviously not everyone else can. I can hold it in front of the microphone, but that doesn't help. Um, But a sheet that's going to be a bulletin insert for a while, and then we'll put them probably just put them back in the uh, foyer for people that want them that have the the passage I'm preaching from printed in LSB. LSB. And the, the intent of this is to set this in your Bible alongside the passage so you would open to the bible open to that passage in your bible and you would put this next to it and so as i read you you can compare read you can follow along if you want to follow along you can follow along in exactly what i'm reading and then as we you know during the sermon keep i mean i i want everybody to keep their bible open the entire sermon anyway um and i think it's good to have your bible open during the sermon so that as we're looking at this passage and learning different things about it you know, if you're an underliner, you can underline, you can make notes or whatever. Yeah. But then when you sit back down and you, the next time you read this passage, the words are in the same place on the page and they've got those underlines. And some people will even go in and write point one, two, three, four, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of these are the, you know, kind of the division and all that. So ultimately, I think it will help your own personal study to have heard it in one translation, even if all you, even if you primarily read and study from the ESV or the New King James or, or whatever, we have a variety of people you know, variety of translations out there that I know of.
0: I'm personally King James only. Okay, no. are
1: we going to go down that road? No. Okay, for another podcast. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think it'll ultimately be helpful for people. Um, and yeah. then as um, as the LSB becomes available, uh,
0: the app, it is available. New Testament Psalms and Proverbs is available on the app for free right now, I believe. Correct,
1: yeah, you can get an app and download it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and the
0: app is pretty cool. There's some cool functions in it where you can click on words and see uh, the original text in the yeah. original language and some definitions and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's a well-done and, and app. And you can
1: get a physical copy mm-hmm. of New Testament Psalms and Proverbs right now. They have them available on the website 316publishing.com. Com or mm. dot org, I forget. And which one.
0: pre-ordering the full, and you can
1: pre-order the full, which will be out like either December January. Yeah. Um, right now, with all the supply chains slowed down, it pushes everything back. So classic. But um, but yeah, so you can and the app, the full version will be available this fall on the app. So yeah, you can follow along in the app, you can follow along in your Bible, but uh, but yeah, no, it's a it's a great new translation, and again, I don't I don't have anything. I'm not in any way opposed to the ESV. I have. To, I mean I have preached from the ESV for over 15 years um, so this wasn't you know this wasn't just a fly-by-night decision sure it's like but I think I think this will be helpful because it's more powerful yeah yeah
0: so. well cool um there's one other thing that you would want to talk about if you got time
1: I mean we have and we've an only been going for 30 minutes have. oh is it's seven o'clock oh man we could go for a while
0: righty uh So there's been stuff going on with the Southern Baptist Convention a lot recently. Yes. And it's been crazy. Uh, There's a word. It's the first word I could think of. Uh, I'm moderately familiar with some of what's going on, but do you want to give a concise, somewhat, if you can, give a concise description of the (laughs) of the problem of the absolute mess that is the
1: ultimately. At the end of the day, the issue for me is I have to, and I do, I have to think as a shepherd taking care of my flock, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the responsibility that God has given me. Um, So it's not just about a knee-jerk reaction or things like that. And unfortunately for me, and this is on me, and for probably the majority of Southern Baptist pastors, I would guess, um, I mean, I've always been a Southern Baptist. I've been a Southern Baptist my whole life. The church I grew up in that I spent, you know, you know, from literally from as long as I can remember was right across the street from what was at the time the largest theological seminary in the world. Mm-hmm. And all of, most of my Sunday school teachers all of my youth pastors were seminary students. Um, so, you know, again, I, in, in Southern Baptist, and we went, like, I think I shared this at a members' meeting a few weeks ago. Growing up, our family vacations were to Foreign Missions Week at Glorieta, which was the Southern Baptist camp. Yeah. So we went up into the mountains of New Mexico with five, 10,000 other Southern Baptists and 500 missionaries. And that was our family vacation every year. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandma and grandpa were missionaries to Kenya uh, for a year after they retired. The regular missionaries came home on furlough. They went to carry on the work while they were home on furlough. So um, so, you know, and I think a lot of Southern Baptist pastors are just we've always been Southern Baptist. We send money to the SBC. I kind of know how that works. And they are you know, it's it's primarily about at least in our mind, it's primarily about Supporting foreign missions, Mm -hmm. which which is what the the bulk of it really is about, and um,
0: what's the it's what the convention is supposed to do, right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the purpose. It's
1: the foundational principle of cooperative giving. Yeah, they call it the cooperative program, but cooperative giving is, you know, a little tiny church of twenty five people can't support a missionary, right? But they can give thousand dollars a year, and and join in cooperatively with you know forty one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine other churches to support forty two hundred missionaries going overseas. So we can do things together that we couldn't do apart. right. and And so that's a great principle. And um, of all the missionaries and all the missions organizations um, around the world, the way we fund missions is probably the best plan that anybody has because southern baptist missionaries are fully supported. They don't have to go around doing fundraising and doing yeah. all that they can just go and be on the mission and focus on, you know, sharing the gospel and whatever in whatever context they're doing that.
0: So that that part right there is a really good thing. And it's a unifying aspect of a bunch of churches that might have a lot of differences. Yeah, like oh, even absolutely. within the southern baptist denomination there's differences between churches there's a there's a yeah the
1: the um the baptist faith and message which is our doctrinal statement is written intentionally broad so that you can have a little bit of variation in there but as long as we're sharing the gospel right Mm -hmm. we're unified and we we agree on the gospel there are some secondary and tertiary issues that we can have disagreements on as long as we agree on the gospel those central you know those central issues um but yeah with the southern baptist convention it You know, over the years, it has become bigger and bigger and more complex. And so now when we talk about the Southern Baptist Convention, we're not just talking about foreign missionaries. We're talking about foreign missionaries, and we're talking about missions in North America, the North American Mission Board. And that's very complex, and there's a lot of moving parts, and a lot of different things going on there. Um, We're talking about the six seminaries, You know that we fund um there's the executive committee and they're just sort of the administrative arm of things and then the erlc the ethics and religious liberty commission which is essentially a political action committee funded by the sbc um and that's a little tiny slice but it's you know a little tiny slice of a giant pie is still a big piece of pie sure (laughs) you know so so the erlc we won't talk about that right now but um Essentially what has happened is there is what I would describe, and I'm sure there are many that would disagree with me, but what I would describe is a sort of a a leftward, less conservative, liberal may not be the exact right word, but for those of us who are very theologically, philosophically, baptistically conservative, some of the the, the the shift in direction in the SBC in different ways is very troubling.
0: There, the way I would describe it as someone that I have no need to be PC or anything is appealing to wokeness.
1: Oh, ab- no, absolutely it is. Yeah, critical race theory. Yep. And, and again, that's something that we hear all, we hear it all the time right now, and we hear outrage over critical race theory because it is essentially a form of Marxism. It's anti-gospel. Mm-hmm. It's a pagan ideology um, period. It's it's yeah. It's bad. Crit- it's a Here, secular religion. Yeah. Here's what you need to know about critical race theory. Critical race theory bad. Mm-hmm. Anti gospel, anti God, bad. Yep. And um, and racist to boot. And it is yeah. It's inherently racist. In and yeah. It's it's that's the ultimate irony. Isn't that mm-hmm. the thing that claims to be the solution to racism is actually exceedingly racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and woke or social justice, all those terms, which is just the sort of the hot button thing. Now, um, there is this trend among many and many in leadership in the SBC to be racially or culturally yeah. sensitive. They appeal to that. And I would say it's what is described in Judas is it is a pagan philosophy that has crept in unawares it's sort of snuck in to the sbc and because many you know most pastors are busy and i have things to do and i i don't have time to track through everything going on and get involved in the political world of the sbc because i've got a family i've got a church yeah you know i've got a life here and uh, and shame on us For just sending our money and not thinking about this and not paying attention. Sure. And kind of looking over every now and then and being a little concerned, but just trusting that there's enough, quote-unquote, good people in these leadership positions that they'll sort of keep things in line. And I think we just kind of sat back and trusted that it was moving in the right direction uh, for too long, and it has slowly drifted to where it's moving in a wrong direction.
0: Much more Um, rapidly, too. Yeah, it's
1: gotten a lot faster. I mean, even... uh, Yeah, there's many in leadership that are more interested in um, appeasing the woke crowd than they are in just being faithful to the Lord. I mean, in the
0: the last two years in particular also have accelerated a lot of stuff in the political world in terms of directions that things are moving left or right. I feel like the last couple years have just, like, Stepped on the gas pedal for oh, all of that yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, it's like we're full speed ahead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like one of the things that kept, one of the phrases that I heard a lot, I didn't, I wasn't able to go to the Southern Baptist Convention, the annual meeting in Nashville, but we sent four messengers from our church. Uh, but one of the things that was repeated often um, was, we need to be aware that the world is watching. You know, so they were like, in what we do, in what we say, in the, the resolutions and decisions we make. The world is watching, and what I would respond to that is, okay, yeah, but we need to be a lot more concerned with the Lord, who is watching, than the world who is watching, because the Bible tells me that the, the world will hate us because of Christ, and if I'm more concerned about what the world thinks of me than what than pleasing the Lord, as which was actually in the passage, mm-hmm. right? You know, a good soldier pleases the one who enlisted him, a good disciple. Focuses on pleasing the Lord. I mean, I don't want to intentionally or knowingly offend someone if I can help from help it. But I'm. I, but that's a. That's not. But if it's coming from the Bible, absolutely, you don't no, care. I know that there are things in the Bible that will, will inherently offend people. Like mm-hmm. homosexuality is a sin. Mm-hmm. That is that's offensive to some people. Right. And I'm sorry, but it's what the Bible says. It it it, it is right. Abortion is murder at all stages. Mm-hmm. Even you know it, you know and, and the 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 Texas heartbeat bill is you know that's that's the big that's the big hot hot topic right now sure. right you know and it's like well you can detect a heartbeat as early as what six or seven days six I weeks think.
0: well I believe
1: it, but but the, it's a human it's murder before those six days are up you know now most people don't know they're pregnant for those first few days you know so I, I get all the stuff with the Texas b- bill and and but it's murder from the moment of conception if you intentionally end it mm-hmm. period period theres there's there's no caveats to that right abortion is murder
0: every time mm-hmm.
1: end of discussion there's a good uh, and that's offensive to a lot of people right that's offensive to probably a lot of people in Southern Baptist churches
0: a good side note if you're interested in that topic and the idea of incrementalism versus, Abolishment, abolition. yeah, abolition. There's a yeah. very good episode. I always plug in. Doug Wilson has an episode of his uh, podcast, yeah, talking about incrementalism and the and abolitionism, um, and how those two can accomplish the same goal eventually, and how to kind of reconcile these two movements in yeah. in the same on the same side. And how to? It's a very good episode of that. Well,
1: and the hard thing for me um, is, for the my my whole life, essentially, it's been incrementalism. Yeah, I mean that's just that's been what the pro life movement is. And I never thought about it as incrementalism. That just, you know, it's just like okay, the pro life movement, we're you know, we want to undo Roe v. Wade. We we want no abortion anytime, you know,
0: and. You know, you're we take the ground where we can get it, essentially. Yeah,
1: and um, and so it's only recently that I've even become aware of the whole abolitionist movement. It's like, oh well, well yeah, of course that makes sense. Yeah, I thought I I heard Jeff Durbin talking about it on a podcast, mm-hmm. um, explaining abolitionism in a way that I had not heard it explained before. That was like, oh, that's that was helpful for me to yeah. really put it together in a in a really in a good way. Right. So anyways. But yeah, but anyway, so, yeah, I don't know. That was a rabbit trail. There's a little bit. Somebody bring rabbits in here. Mm-hmm. To, to There's this. like four rabbits. There's four rabbits in here. Back to the SBC stuff. Um there are many, many um issues with the SBC.
0: It seemed like it got hyper political at this meeting.
1: It got very political at this last meeting and there was a lot of what we can probably best describe as political shenanigans. Right going on because we, there was a
0: an election of the yeah new because president it, right? was,
1: it was yeah that's part of the critical the critical aspect of all this is that um and and we've seen this in in what they called the conservative resurgence back in the like late 70s early 80s um when um the southern baptist convention was kind of moving in a liberal direction and the issue then was the the authority the inerrancy of scripture really was the primary issue and one thing that we know historically is that anytime a denomination or group of Christians or individual Christian, really, for that matter, let's go of the inerrancy of Scripture, that is step one on the slippery slope of abandoning so many yeah. principles. I mean, if you let go of the, in- the inerrancy of Scripture, why even open your Bible at all? Yeah. Right. If this is not the inerrant Word of God, inspired, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient. Word of God. Then I don't even need to own it. Mm-hmm. But if it is, then I better wrap my life around its words, and I better read it again and know what it says and dig into it because this is God's word. You know. What yeah. I mean? So, so that was a that was a very significant issue, and um, and it took eight years to really pull the sbc back in a conservative direction um because it's sort of a trickle down effect right the president not it just sounds so convoluted and it really is but the president nominates people to serve on a committee that nominates the people to serve on the committees that really run the different entities and these committees that the or the trustee the boards that run the entities have big numbers like 30 40 50 60 i think there's 86 people on the executive committee and they all serve rotating terms of of 2 years and so then that that overlap or then they re up for another 2 years and so essentially to replace the entire committee is going to take 8 years because you have to you only get a, you know a fourth of the people off every 2 years Right. Yeah. So if you're trying to replace, if you have a whole bunch of liberal people, it's just like Congress, right? You know, the, the overlapping or whatever. You know, yeah. you you want to take these two seats back and these two seats back in the in in the House of Representatives. What six year terms and they overlap, so you got to get these three out and good guys. It's and the then while
0: thing. it's happening, you want to slam your head into a brick wall, kind the, of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. <laughs> so um, so who the president is is very important because, um, and you know. I'll just say JD Greer was a huge disappointment. And he had not only his two years but because of COVID he had a third year. So he did I would argue more damage than
0: normally. Every clip I heard of him talking about something I was like, "Well, that's the wrong take." Like yeah. it seemed like he was just yeah, wrong.
1: Yeah, so again, um so we have, you know, critical race theory has has see- seeped in and um I have read descriptions of Ed Litton, who is our new Southern Baptist pastor, and I don't want to, I don't want to demonize him or anything, but um, he's really into social justice and the whole CRT woke stuff is something that he would say he's not woke. I've heard him say, "I'm not woke," but just because you
0: say it doesn't mean it's true. Yeah,
1: yeah, the the um the history would tell us otherwise, right? So you know, he's he, I believe he'll take us farther down that path. Um, but then there's also there's there's multiple there's multiple issues, right? There's there's that's one of the issues is the CRT woke thing. Um, another issue is the whole complementary and egalitarian thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the role of women in ministry, um, whatever you believe about, you know, first Timothy two, which I believe it says that women cannot teach the Bible to men in the in the setting of, of, of the church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and doesn't mean that women can never open their mouths in a thing. Doesn't mean that women can't teach. Um, it's not a denigration to women by any means at all. Um, there are women that are gifted teachers, but women cannot serve as pastors or in the role or function of a pastor. Right. Um, and so, whatever you believe about that, because there are a lot of people that disagree with me on that, and that's fine. Whatever, um, they can be wrong, right? But I mean, it's not
0: like it's it's not like they disagree with you. It's they're disagreeing with the uh, book sitting in front of you right the, now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But but here's the thing: whatever you believe about that, the Baptist faith and message are. Our guiding document says that women cannot serve as pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are women who have the title of pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and to, to, to say a woman can't serve as pastor, that means to me, that means both in title and in function. So a woman cannot preach on Sunday morning in the worship service, period. Period. Doesn't mean a woman doesn't teach anywhere in any setting. I, I've learned from women. I learned from my mother. I learned from my grandmother. I've learned from Mrs. Doty. I talked. I about mean, her. you
0: see Paul talk about it with Timothy in, in his letters to him. Doesn't he? He talks about his mother and grandmother. Oh yeah,
1: they were a significant role. So, so yeah. again, this is this is you know that's the problem is is when you, when you say I'm a complementarian, people want to say, well, you're a, you're a, you know sexist or whatever, and that's just it's just a complete misunderstanding of, you know, it's it's um. Un- I just go with what the Bible says. It's teaches. rebelling
0: against God's Word. It's and rebelling just, against God's Word. Just like every other yeah. thing that we do. So and, that's a
1: significant issue. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, J.D. Greer called himself, a, I think, like a soft complementarian or whatever. But that, he was moving away from that. You know, Ed Litton, the current president, just right before the convention, before he got elected as president— co-preached i'm using air quotes i'm going co-preached a sermon on sunday morning with his wife a whole series of sermons so she's up there with him teaching on you know teaching the gathered body on sunday morning which is absolutely um an offense to to the bible and in in not in alignment with the the documents that we have so that's that's problematic Um, you know and then uh, there are several churches that are funded by nam the north american mission board that have on their website, or they did. They may have removed them by now. No, at least one of them did. Um, a woman listed as pastor, Saddleback Church, for example, which is a a major, a large church in our convention. Rick Warren, his church, mm-hmm. uh, just weeks before the convention, ordained three women as pastors, and he was celebrating it on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. You know, so so this is a significant issue. Um, those churches are no longer in what we would call friendly cooperation with the Southern Baptist Convention, and they just need to be not Southern Baptist churches. If yeah. You want to have a woman pastor? First of all, you don't have a woman like John MacArthur said, well, that church has no pastor. This is a great way to put it. but um again, it's it's not a it's not a sexist, misogynistic.
0: yeah, it's yeah, it's not a it's God. Gave two different roles to men, correct? Yeah, and we need to embrace those roles. Also, I think the thing that I heard someone say this one time that God gave men the role, the responsibility, role of teaching because probably naturally we wouldn't want to do it, (laughs) and and women would, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, but. So God, God is always calling us to do the exact opposite thing that we naturally want yeah, to very do. Very often, yeah. You know, maybe not always, but no. a, but yeah, a lot of times. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah And so, like uh, a man naturally, I've, I, my personal experience being a guy, naturally, we just want to like hang out and chill and not. I don't want to worry about doing the it's the too responsibility much thing. It's- I'm just gonna hang out here. it's fine, and I don't want to be responsible for all these people that I gotta teach and all this nah, but that's exactly what God calls some men to do because yeah. it's uh, it's following in it's his, his footstep, plan right and it's his
1: framework it's his plan it's his thing, not mine but and anyway it
0: wouldn't be submitting if it wasn't a challenge yeah, you know yeah sometimes
1: yeah no that's that's true um but so anyway, so that's another thing. It yeah, seems yeah. as though there's this part of the liberal leftward drift is there is a drift toward what is called egalitarianism, away from complementarianism. That's an issue. And then Nam, the North American Mission Board, from from what I see, um, it's there's a there's a significant lack of transparency in financially in what they're doing. Mm. Um, you know, there was. They get like $50 million a year as their budget, but there's some real strange things about, okay, what, how are they spending that? I don't know. One, the big question that was, that was brought up at the convention um, was there was a guy asking, what is Kevin Ezell's salary? Kevin Ezell is the president of North American Mission Board. So, and, and this is a guy that leads a huge organization. Um, with a fifty million plus budget every year, so with uh, thousands of people kind of under him, so he should have a good. He's got a very significant responsibility. Sure. So it's okay for him to have what I would call a very significant salary.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but as as is his salary is paid by the forty two thousand Southern Baptist churches, should we not no, be able to ask, ask what is he making? How much mm-hmm. does he make? And and but they wouldn't answer that question. They're like, well, we're not going to tell you. Was essentially the answer. And I never even thought about what his salary was before, but now it's like, well, the well, fact that well, you, what is it? Yeah, well, yeah. the fact that you don't want to tell me makes yeah. me one really wonder. You know, like if you just answered the question, we could have moved on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, unless it's ridiculously high. I mean, I don't even know what reasonable would be. But, um, but again, because there's so many other things going on, and there's this what I would call an erosion of trust in everything. It's just now like it's one more thing, one more thing, yeah. one more thing. There's a lot of other. Things that there's a lot of other accusations that have been made about the North American Mission Board that it's hard to process all of that. Sure. And it's hard to find real answers. That's part of the problem is what what are the real answers yeah. you know, to these questions? Um, and then, of course, Ed Litton, the president, um, right after he was elected president, it came out that he had been plagiarizing sermons, mm-hmm. um, not preaching his own sermons, large sections of sermons. He was sort of copying and pasting. Uh, from from um, other, the one that came out right was J.D. Greer, the previous president. He had preached almost the same thing. Um, even the illustration saying, Well, you know, I was driving down the road one day and, you know, it wasn't his story, it was J.D. Greer's story. Um, and then mysteriously, 140 different sermons disappeared from their website because somebody was taken re- watching the sermons on his website and comparing them to J.D. Greer and realizing they're the same. And there was a sermon from several years back of Tim Keller that apparently he plagiarized. And um, so there are many in the Southern Baptist Convention, including me, who think he should resign because with all of this cloud... I mean, the New York Times had an article about it. Mm. Um, so I, I think he should not be, he is not the person to be leading our convention right now with this sort of cloud over him. And, um, and, he, and he's not going to step down. right you know he, he's, it, that's become abundantly clear. Uh, but he needs to. I think he needs to. I sent him a letter and I, that, you know I'm not just saying that to you and whoever's listening. I sent him a letter and said, I think you need to resign. I sent a letter to the executive committee, and I would encourage any Southern Baptist pastor who has concerns about these, send a letter to the executive committee tell them we're concerned about these things. Um, so because it's again, that's so and we as the Southern Baptist Church have for the sixty years that we've been a church funded the Southern Baptist Convention. So what's you
0: know? the do is there a
1: plan moving forward? There is, and I'm gonna talk about that on Sunday right after church. Hey oh. So you'll have to come to church on Sunday that and stay fifteen minutes that after this is w- being aired. Oh yeah, that's true. If you're listening to this, you just heard you me know talk the plan. about this. So you already know the plan. So I could actually talk about the plan. But I just told you about the plan. So why tell do you I, you talk what about I just told you. Yeah. 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 I definitely know it, yeah, so yeah, perfect. there see, cool. there you go,
0: all right, well, covered a lot of a lot of stuff, yeah, it was kind of a fun episode, yeah, kind yeah, of a, yeah, a, wow, man, a all over the place, a grab bag of things, which is maybe what these episodes might feel like in the future, we're kind of figuring it out, and yeah. um we might have more detailed go into more detail in the previous passages that you've gone over and might do a bunch of different stuff. Well,
1: and another thing is on Sunday, hopefully when you left church this morning or yesterday or whenever you're listening to this, you picked up the lessons and discipleship card, which is this long list of um, things just to sort of bring us back full circle, right? The first chapter and a half in 2 Timothy really gives us a wonderful practical list of things to do ideas to have, mindsets, you know, some of these are like, you know, like accept suffering, right? You just, that's something that you just need to set into your mind that this is part of being a disciple. And so I need to not push back against that, but accept that that's real. Yeah. Um, I need to know the gospel. Well, there's something I need to do. How do I, what am I doing to know the gospel better in my daily life? Um, The first one, pursue discipleship. That's, that's that I call it a Titus 2 uh discipleship pattern is that every Christian needs to have someone who is discipling them in some way and they need to be discipling somebody else in some way mm-hmm. um, if you're not I, that's that's you need to be doing that um, So all those different things and it's all on the sheet and I talked about those the last three weeks so I don't want to re-preach it but um, sure. but man yeah those are some great principles and looking at the list it seems kind of long and overwhelming but you don't have to work through everything every day right you know it's like um Jonathan Edwards, his resolutions, 80, what, 87 resolutions, 85 resolutions. It's this huge number. He read through every one of those resolutions every week his entire life after he wrote them. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, the word disciple and the word discipline are the same root word. It's real obvious. It's right there on the front. It's the same. The first half of the word is the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And so a disciple needs to be disciplined. Yeah. Toward, you know, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So, but yeah, that's, uh, but yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll be talking about the passage and the text and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But And then and other, the thing about other topics. It, sorry, we're interrupting. No, I was, yeah, you're good. Um, the thing about doing it once a month and doing sort of a, well, it'll be a little bit more of a zoomed out view. Yeah. Is that, you know, sometimes... We we lose the big picture for looking at the details. Sure. So we can back out a little bit and kind of look at maybe some of the bigger picture as opposed to zooming in real close. So yeah. We can
0: back out. And by so. the time we have the next episode, you'll probably be or will you be done with Timothy by then? I
1: don't know if I'll be done with Timothy by then. I'm going to Jonah next. If that was your next. Oh. Um, well, I was just
0: gonna say if you are done with Timothy by then on the next episode, we can kind of look back upon summarize the whole all of it. All of it. Yeah. yeah. So, cool. Well. Thanks, Rob. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank, thank you. And thank, thank you for listening. Yeah, and to thank you yes. Are. And ended in the most awkward, some mumbly way possible for me. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Indeed. Bye.